Welcome to Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Dr. Alba Raffaella, psychologist and author of the groundbreaking Breaking the Mirror, a story and guide on how to recognize and deal with narcissists available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and other platforms as well. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Rafa. Join with me today is my co-host, Mr. D. I think we changed it. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to go with Mr. <laughs> D. Um, we did that last time. By the way, Dr. Raffaella, I'm still in talks with her people. <laughs> it is a, a hard nut to crack. Um, She's but a busy person. Yes, and the, the 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 scheduling has been been an issue, and but um, I'm still working on that. I appreciate your persistence in that. Yes, You're loyal. Yeah, I I, I have a de- dedication to the to the podcast, and um, anyway, I'm looking forward to that. And today, by the way, uh, Dr. Rafa, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's sunny today, so that's a good thing. Yes, yeah. um, sun is a good thing, especially in January where there's a little. Of it. So I'm hopeful because I believe sunset is 5.09 and it creeps up a minute every day. So next time we do this, it will be four, what, 14 minutes? Something like that. Forward, 14 minutes forward. Yeah. Okay. So According to my calculations. I'll take it. I'm happy for that. We are starting a new, a I guess, series, series or yeah. I guess you call it a series where you go back and forth. So in our brainstorming sessions that we have throughout the week, weeks, we decided to dive into family family therapy because I believe we didn't really visit it well. We touched on it, I believe, in different other shows. But they were very specific situations with siblings, uh, special needs, Birth things order, like that. Yeah, we did that. We did um, couples therapy, which is obviously a subset of families. But we are going to dive into this because it is very heartfelt to me. And I'll explain the mystery behind that in a minute after we give our quotes. Okay. So uh, my quote is, in all cultures, the family imprints its members with selfhood. Human experience of identity has two elements, a sense of belonging and a sense of being separate. The laboratory in which these ingredients are mixed and dispensed is the family, the matrix of identity. Mm. That is by Dr. Salvatore Mnuchin. Salvatore Mnuchin is our man of the hour. Um, so, well, no, 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 or 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 how long we'd go. We might not go an hour. We well, haven't okay. gone an hour well, in a while. Well, well, you know what I'm saying. Just saying. It's cliche, very cliche. Mm-hmm. But that is who we'll be spending a lot of time talking about today. Is good old Sal. And what are your thoughts on this quote? You know, you need to have a sense of being separate with the relationship, with you know anything, any group, but especially family. You are an individual, but at the same time. You are family. You are, for, you know, again. We are family. Yeah. Well, see, now you. I, I wanted to play a game later. Oh. Okay. Well, you're foreshadowing, aren't you? Oh, I didn't even know you were. See. You're doing sneaky games without I one? was going to do a sneaky game, and you were going to be like, oh, a little surprise uh, game. We think Not a game game, but just, you know. A playfulness. Yeah, something, you know. Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. No, but there's that loyalty, right, with family. Like, uh, I've always equated to, you know, hey, listen. My brother might be this, that, and the other thing, and I see it, but I'm allowed to say it, not you. You know, like if somebody's talking trash about, you know, a sibling, you know, I, I, I see that. No, no, I, I, you know, and like. Yeah, you stick up for your There's sibling. like, you know, like. Somebody yeah. else can talk crap, but you. Yeah, he, yeah, my brother is a jerk, but I could say that, not you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I like how he talks about the fragments. I was going to go with something very similar to that, but 
Mm-hmm. Or actually, I am going to something somewhere. So we are pieces of our family. Like we all have one, even if we're not close with them. We obviously came from somewhere or origin story, right? Yeah. So mine is actually by Carl Whitaker, who is another family therapy uh, master historically. There are no individuals in the world, only fragments of families. So individuals are fragments of families or pieces of our, our family. Pieces of the puzzle, yeah. Yeah, and we all have identity, hopefully, and some individuality, but it always goes back to families, uh, what we've learned, nature versus nurture, as well as role modeling, you know, what we may have learned from our families. We talked about it in CBT with beliefs, mm-hmm. beliefs that were passed down in our families, and they're also ways of behaving. By the way, my brother isn't a jerk, and I love my brother very much. <laughs> I was right. using that as an example. That was just the... Yes. Hypothetical. Well, there's that, there's that, um, you know, and, and his quote, you know, uh, what's his name? Whitaker, you said? Carl Whitaker. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the being your own individual is important. Right. And it's dangerous when you just identify yourself in any kind of group, even if it's family. Mm-hmm. I think um, even though you love your family, you're very loyal to your family. Mm-hmm. And that's something that it's a theme that we can all, everybody and that, that's a rare theme that everybody can relate to, um, rich and poor, you know, there's family and, um, or what, what we would like family to be, you know, and again, it, it should be a good thing, yeah, but the different definitions, uh, there's so many pieces of it because there's religious, cultural pieces, ethnicity, there's socioeconomic status, and there's a lot of different, like tenants to family, right? It's, it's family of origin, but what, what does that mean to someone? So I think it's something that's relatable. We can all relate to, oh, because everyone has a family you can relate to it. And there's all kinds of families, single parent families, blended families, obviously divorced families, same-sex parent families, modern families. Like yeah. Well, you know, yeah, exactly. The blended family now, I mean, more so. Right. Mm-hmm. And do you think that there's, you know, so many times people you know, talk about family members and like how this family member hurt them more than anybody else or that family member hurt them more than anybody else. I think part of that is because, well, you you know, you, if you let people into your lives and into your, your haunts and that fireplace, (laughs) it makes a little mousy noise. Yeah. But I mean, you share intimate things with your family members and they, they have the goods on you to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, so like they, 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 you give them that power by giving them all of your truth where there's a complete stranger or, pe- you know, people you work with, even friends, they can't hurt you because they don't know enough about you to maybe hurt you. Well, there's history, right? There's historical, you know, experiences that you have with your family members, particularly your siblings. The only other person that knows what it's like to have your parents or your siblings. Yeah. Right. Sure. Like they're the only other people that mm-hmm. you can exchange stories and know what that's like with about your your parents, let's say, or your your grandparents or family members, because they're your peers, you know. Mm-hmm. So a lot can be learned from family. And with that, I wanted to start off with Salvatore Mnuchin is who we're going to focus on today with with you know family. And again, I'll come up with a catchy title or, or you know. For we the, threw around a couple. Yeah. Let's see which um, one sticks. Yeah, and um, but we'll see what we land on, and uh, but we we will revisit this uh, time time again. I think is is a good yeah um, series oh, yeah. that we can have. And again, we might not do it right in a row, or we might. I don't know. But um, so um, with Salvatore uh, Mnuchin, he developed. Uh, first of all, he was born October thirteenth, uh, nineteen twenty one. Passed away October thirtieth, twenty seventeen. Hold on a second. Let me scroll down here. My notes. He lived a long life. Yeah, he. Um, and you know, there's a, should I, should I ruin it? 
and say? Which part? Which, which, which part do you want to ruin? That, uh, that I knew him? That I met him? Oh, well, yeah. Well, no, no. Don't ruin that. Don't say that yet. All right. Okay. So, okay. No, I'm just kidding. So he developed family therapy, which addresses problems within a family by charting the relationship in all cultures between family or between subsets of family. Now, what is exactly a subset of a family? What would be considered that would be like close friends, like your uncle Mm-mm. Mildred, but you're not related to Mildred? No, the way he defined it was um, relationships within the family. So a subset could be a father, two parents. It could be a parent and a child. It could be two children. So it's the family within the family. Now, I guess technically we can sometimes include, especially with certain families that still live with grandparents. Mm-hmm. Grandparents could be a subset of the family. Again, like in certain cultures, it's it's common to have in-law suites, right? And to have grandparents as part of the subsystem. So generally it's those individuals. Now it could, depending on how close maybe they are with other family members, like if they live next door or something, they could be a subset as well. Um, it could also be adopted children. It could be step siblings. It could be blended family members. So okay, um, and uh, yeah, he's from Argentina. Yes, um, he had a very cool accent, and oh, he smoked a lot of cigarettes in he, session, which was crazy. So let me just well, so let me just finish um, history lessons. So. Yeah. So again, this is just a quick background from what I just like looked up. Um, and again, I want to revisit this gentleman because he, he seemed uh, on the surface, I could tell there's a, a lot of layers just by looking, um, by glancing at it at, at, at first. What the therapist tries to do here, it says, I'm sorry, these, these charts, so charting relationships, these charts represent power dynamics as well as boundaries between different subsystems. The therapist then tries to disrupt dysfunctional relationships within the family and cause them to settle back into a more or into a healthier pattern. And that is Salvatore Mnuchin's style. Style. So he developed structural family therapy in the 1960s. Right. He now, was a pediatrician, by the way. In oh, Argentina. so the first question he about... He was a what? Doctor. Do, of course. Doc, I'm sorry. Do, I apologize. Dr. Mnuchin. So what are the first three words that come to mind when you think of Dr. Mnuchin? <laughs> that I think of? Okay. Or come to mind. Yeah, just come to mind. that hit that, you know. Cigarettes. Cigarettes. Argentinian accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very, I don't ballsy, like direct. Mm. He, he was, was very, there's uh, a, yeah. He got away with things that I couldn't get away with. Right, either. right. Um, and well, the videos we watched, I wasn't able to really show you him in action. Right, right. No, but I'm sure he would, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, Smoking cigarettes in the session was. A he good. was a real one. He was a real one. Yeah. He definitely could just say things and get away with it in a very direct way. And the only way in which you could do that, by the way, and he could do that, obviously, as an older Argentinian man, he had more maybe like credibility than maybe a young therapist or a young woman might have. You know, I I just think the older we get, the less, you know, it's kind of like at at an early age, we're all given this, okay, you can't say these things, you know, words you can't say, and and you have to act a certain way. And now more so than ever, you know, with, you know, too many sensitive people in the world that you really have to watch what you say. And then I think the older you get, especially when you get to be his age, you just don't. And it was also back (laughs) in the 70s, 60s is when he developed it. So think of like most of the videos that we watched of him and, you know, the, the sessions mm-hmm. or even the role play sessions that they would do with the staff acting like 
patients, you know, he got away with, he was able to say things and they were powerful and he timed them on purpose to say these things. But one thing that's important in any therapy is joining. So he had to be joined with the family, meaning he had to be connected with the family before getting away by saying, what <laughs> What makes you think, like, shut up. Like you and would actually say, shut up. You speak too much. You talk too much. Be quiet. So this really, okay. So w- within family therapy is you trained. So Salvatore Mnuchin would be considered Yoda. I guess you're, um, you were trained by Jedi who learned from the master. Yeah. All right. So tell me a little bit about uh, that connection with, with uh, Dr. Mnuchin. Well, um, so early in my career, I graduated from Rutgers uh, with my master's in social work. And I lived up in North Jersey because I got a job at a place called Care Plus in Paramus. And it was doing family therapy. So it was in-home family therapy all throughout the county of Bergen County. And unbeknownst to me at the time, which I quickly figured out, was one of the perks, because, you know, you don't get paid very well when you first start out in the career, it was getting free training from master therapists from the Mnuchin Center in New York. So we had a man named Rich Holm come every two weeks, I believe, and do amazing training for every, you know, for two hours with, you know, us, our staff. And one of the hallmark of doing this type of therapy, which I may have mentioned I hated, was videotaping us and our sessions. We would watch our videos and get critique and feedback. We'd okay. obviously need permission from the families. I was able to go to Mnuchin Center in New York, which is where he ended up. He was in Philadelphia initially at the Child Guidance Center in Philly. And I got to meet him. I got to watch him in action with patients. So we would use a one-way mirror, Mm. meaning we were all in a room behind a mirror. So there's like a, a little therapy room with the therapist and the client. And then they couldn't see us, but we could see them. Gotcha. So they knew we were back there watching all of this stuff. So it was really cool to train there for two years. And then I continued my training in family therapy at uh, the Philadelphia Guidance Center was then changed to the Philadelphia Child and Family Therapy Training Center. And the woman who ran it after Sal was Marion Goldberg. And I was able to have a lot of one-on-one with her. And we did did all the workshops there. Really yeah. awesome. So yeah. these are the masters left. And you said that you field. might want to maybe, could you think I should reach out to her? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Because it looks like, according to the website, they're not doing anything live in person. And it was so great to bring my staff there. And it was very intimate. It was just like a small group, able to really learn from her. But I believe her title is Director Emeritus now. So does that mean she's not doing anything anymore? What is, what is it again? Emeritus. Well, that's Latin. Yeah, I know it's Latin, <laughs> but it's like still in charge, but I don't think she's doing day-to-day stuff. Okay, so she Beck might be like the, uh, the the uh, the caregiver, caretaker of it, but doesn't look is like it hands-on? Yeah, so it's awesome, awesome training that, again, I was, I was fortunate at the time to get, which is iconic to have that master training. You know? So, and so the, the reason for the, the recordings is to just um, observe the invisible set of rules that the family dynamic has, but maybe they don't even realize. Right. So twofold, it was to um, look at the family dynamics. So one of the goals of structural family therapy was to restructure the family into a a more stable, healthy way, let's say, and to achieve a state of um, homeostasis, right? So we get, families get stuck in the way in which they function and it's very predictable. So we would video our sessions. Now, granted, um, when people first come into therapy, they want to be people-pleasing, so they might not act the way they normally would at home. Mm -hmm. So we would get them to reenact a scene or on purpose get them kind of jived up 
to see how they would act organically and observe the interactions between family members. We can see how they're seated, like the video showing you before. Yeah, that was good. I, I paused that it, and we would do that. I would, we would pause it and say, what do you notice about this family? Okay, well, dad's sitting all the way over here. Mom's really close to the kid. Dad's sitting with his arms crossed. He looks really pissed off. Yeah, I mean, just you know? when you paused it and you said, okay, what do you see here? Yeah. And I'm like, and then, when, you know, yeah, I, I'm like, wow, like you can really tell a lot just by like, you know, because you don't think of it when you're listening to people talking and watching a video and then, okay, you paused it. Now you can just look at their body language and there's a lot there. There's a lot. And also one of the other things we notice, first of all, by how people sit, but also is if I ask a question to someone, does someone else jump in? Like if I ask the kid a question, does mom jump in? And Mm -hmm. then, okay, I notice mom speaks for the kid. The kid doesn't have a voice. Mm -hmm. Or is dad or mom just really quiet? So we would want to activate that parent because what we want to do is restructure the family system where the parents are in power. And uh, Mm -hmm. where the family system is is functional or more functional. More functional. And, um, you know, and, and, and you can also tell, uh, I guess, uh, or see, okay, these two gang up on this, this one, right. you know, or, yep. you know, and maybe they don't even realize it. They don't realize it. And there's a term in family therapy called enmeshment. What that means is there's an over-involvement between one party, usually a parent, usually a parent and a child. Okay. And then there's an intergenerational coalition against another kid, against another parent. So then we look back in history, like, all right, how did this happen? Where'd they get stuck? Oftentimes it's transition in a family. So maybe they had kids back to back and they got stuck, or maybe dad lost a job or mom went back to work or grandma moved in. So we do like a really cool timeline to see what happened. What's the story of this family? What happened? They used to function differently. Now this kid is acting out and he's the identified patient and what stressor occurred or what occurred to give this kid so much power. So we talk about power in the family. We talk about having healthy, maintaining healthy boundaries, increasing communication, lots of interventions that we can get in into. So there's supposed to be a hierarchy of power in the family where the parent or caregiver holds the authority, not the children. In my day, parents had the power. (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, our parents, I don't, I think you too, like your grandma, like she looked at you a certain way and you knew that she had the authority, right? For your parents, well, as opposed to now. <laughs> well, there's so much to, I don't want to say, and again, we, I think there's too much blamed on the parents. Like, oh, well, I'm like, again, again, well, I, I, I think that's a cop out for a lot of people who like to say, oh, it's, well, my parents did this to me. That's why I'm like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Sure. And, yeah, you know, I mean, there, there are people that are very successful and they had crappy parents, you know what I mean? Like, or, or no parents for crying out loud, you know, which, okay, may, maybe sometimes it's addition through subtraction, but no, I think parents do not recognize that. Well, here's the thing, it, it, you know, parenting, it's a lot of work. It's absolutely like anything a lot else. of work. It always is. So, That's worthwhile. Right. So in a healthy family, both parents have power. The kids don't call the shots. Parents don't feel helpless. Children, you know really need not run the house. So what happens is it's lopsided. It's a lopsided structure. So kids can be a fr- feel afraid of the powerful parent. Maybe, you know, it's one parent versus two. So we often see that. And then we try to restructure that. So there's a, um, a healthier, you know, power structure in the family. And there's lots of different tools and t- tips that we, we do for that. Kids need consistency. So they understand the rules and they understand what needs to happen. And then if there is an unhealthy pattern, they'll rebel or resist, which, you know, we see if there's a lot of inconsistency with, with, um, you know, parenting. So we have tools for that. Also, um, you know, we try to 
have healthy boundaries where these kids or somebody in the family doesn't have so much power, like I said, and that they aren't over-involved with one another where kid may need to have a voice, you know? All right. So with instructional family therapy, what are some goals or some um, things that therapists need to be weary of or aware of? Aware of? Um, Okay. Well, the goals are to strengthen the relationships, you know, um, and to shift the, like I said, the hierarchy back to the parent being in, you know, in charge. When kids become too powerful, we say that they're parentified. So we want them to not be little parents. The first goal of family therapy, or especially any therapy, is joining the family. So letting people know that they're competent, letting people know that they're experts on their children. I don't know your family. I'm only here to give you suggestions. It's not my job to solve problems for you guys. It's to help you solve problems. I can help you in that process by, you know, telling you what I observe. But it's really up to the parents because they feel defeated. By the time they come in, they have this kid maybe acting out. They have marital problems going on and they feel super defeated. So same thing in cognitive behavioral therapy. We use reframing. So aiming to change the perspective, right? We use this word a lot. I think you use it in your vocabulary now, reframing. Refry, yeah, I love it. We use it. Well, I, I, we talk, yeah, it's like how you frame something. How you frame something. You know, it's an alternative just, I was, perspective. Yeah, right? I was going over, uh, the, you know, the Jefferson-Hamilton uh, um, debates and just, you know, how each one reframed the Bank of the United States and, and different things like that. It's true. And it's just and something that you said was kind of in, it was interesting because I remember I remember this from one of our first podcasts that, you know, you, you just mentioned it, like, too many people, family therapy, couples therapy, anything, they come to you. Too late. Yeah. It's like, you know, you know, and, and it's like, you know, it's sad, but mm-hmm. that's what they do. They think, you know, like I have a problem now you have to fix it. It's like, no, no, yeah. it's too late now. It's yeah. almost like, you know, um, if they're, they're you know, they feel defeated at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. it's not like a gunshot wound where, okay, there might be chance to save this guy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, you know I mean? It's like, you got to see it way early you, and you know it and, and you, or, or I like to think, I mean, people do, there are problems like with couples therapy, with family therapy, with, with anything like people are going to go see you eventually, but they just need to not ignore the early, early signs. They're there, but most times they're just in denial about it. Um, yeah. And one of the problems that we encounter with, um, you know, trying to get people engaged in family therapy is there is usually with the kid, right? Like they're ident- they're called the identified patient. So that means that they're acting out the symptoms of the problem of the family. So people get caught up with their kid's diagnosis. Well, it's because he has a ADHD or she has anxiety instead of thinking of, well, this is a family problem, actually. Like it isn't just a kid problem. And because of our culture and the way psychology is <laughs> currently practiced, a lot of individual therapy. Come bring your kid in for individual therapy and, you know, there's resistance against family when always a family problem. I just want to tell you a quick, I think I might have told you a little bit of this story. I'll tell our audience a quick story. So one of the master therapists I trained with was named Rich. When I was starting my private practice after many years of being a family therapist, I was concerned. How am I going to treat the individual? I asked him and he said, it's fine. Like you, you still see them as a family. Just like our quote, it's a fragment. This individual is a piece of a family. Still think of it 
in terms of family, still bring the family in because I was like so used to seeing it as a system, the problem as a family therapy, family problem. It freaked me out. Like, oh my God, I have to see this individual and talk about their inner psyche. But yeah, people generally come in too late, you know, when they're talking about relationships and they're really burnt out. So you want to give them hope, give them hope that they can figure problems out with your help because you want them to graduate therapy, right? You want them to go on and use these skills and, you know, be healthier. There's a lot of enactment that's done. Like I said, um, role play or enactment or getting families to behave the way they typically behave. One of the good things about going into the home is people tend to function a little more like themselves in their home than in your office. Mm -hmm. So we were able to see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You know, so we can't do it all. And yes, we always encourage people to come in because there is hope and we can problem solve together and looking at people's um, strengths and their level of competence that they do have. Right. So as I'm I'm Googling here with um, some more uh, Intel, I wanted to ask you uh, on on uh, the structural 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 family therapy. It says here the family is a social system that develops transactional patterns. So with that transactional patterns term, which basically just means like family roles, mm-hmm. what are some factors that that's involved with tr- these transactions? So there're typical transactions that occur within a family. We used to turn the volume off and just watch the patterns of behavior between, um, in these videos of these families, right? Um, we can predict them. She does this, he does that. Then this happens. Like the one we watched earlier, mm-hmm. um, I had said, watch, dad's going to jump in. Dad's going to jump in and protect the daughter against the son. Cause the son was seen as the bad guy could have turned it off and just watched dad do that. So we can see what boundaries are involved. We can see this parental hierarchy. We can see who's, in, who's engaged and not, we can see who might be over-involved with one another. And it's predictable. I know at my family gatherings and you might already be aware I, of this, yeah, they're I, predictable, correct? Uh, you know, you, <laughs> you or, can kind or of predict. There's how. not much that's going to shock you. Right. 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 And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. You have traditional expectations and roles and how people behave. You know, we're going uh, so, to be expected at a birthday party or um, a holiday party. I'm going to walk in. George is going to give me a big hug. <laughs> And it's going to be awkward. No, I'm, I'm, being, I'm telling him it, it's because he's a big dude. I'm like, okay, but no, he's no, he's, he's got a good heart. And I, and I know, I know it's genuine, but it's just, it's just like, okay, George, you know, um, you can predict <laughs> that like when my grandmother was alive, um, don't tell me to shush elders. I can talk about George hugging me. It's my business. <laughs> the elders would sit around the round table and that's Italian thing. I think like they sit around and talk at the table and the kids go off at the kid table and do different things. It's just very predictable. Like you can just know that this is the flow of the evening of how it's going to go. And families are like that, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you want, you can predict the transactions of the family. The women who are, who are hosting everything, never sit down and eat yeah. or enjoy themselves for a second. They're too busy if everybody else had enough to eat. Yep. Yep. Too busy cooking. Yeah. Last to sit down. And- but that's, you know, that's most Italian families. And I'm sure that's, that's not just Italian families. It's mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. different gatherings. Sure. Latina families, Latino families, Asian culture, Indian perhaps as well. But yes, absolutely. So there are predictable transactions that occur even on a day-to-day basis. There might be routines in the morning, routines after school, you know, how people relate and interact to one another. So that is the uh, transactions. And then looking to see what needs to be restructured 
whether it's so it could be like um like you mentioned earlier like alignments with certain like you know like like we were talking about the um the 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 father and the daughter t- ganging up on the son who was considered a you know um bad guy yeah the bad guy or kind of like the black sheep of the family so to speak or whatever like he's you know doesn't have a job or mm-hmm. you know and you know just the different things like that and then also it says here the power is the degree of influence each person has on the family systems right. so everybody plays a role some people have more power than others. Some people don't realize that they have power. Like we were talking about parents mm-hmm. who don't want to parent. Right. And they don't understand that, you know, the the, the the second that their child starts breathing, they have a lot of power, you mm-hmm. know, and again, it's up to them. Hey, you know what? What does Spider-Man uh, say? With great power comes, comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is the perfect motto for mm-hmm. a parent, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Not just Spider-Man. Well, that's why I said of the timeline, like, okay, what happened in this family? Where did the parents lose their power? How did they lose their power? When did that occur? Did, did they ever believe they had it? So there's a lot of dis- cognitive distortions that may come with that. A lot of shooting that comes up or, you know, black or white rules maybe. So people kind of see who has the power to ruin the day, <laughs> to ruin the vacation. Why does that child have that power, you know? Or, or why doesn't dad believe he has enough power in this family? He's, right. he's not, maybe mom's too loud. Maybe she's too controlling. She speaks too much. She doesn't let dad have a say or a voice, right? And things that, you know, I, this as a parent myself, I just have to remember like things that my parents and my grandmother would do with me isn't necessarily always going to work with my children. Sometimes it may. So, you know what I mean? So, yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, uh-huh. So maybe <laughs> with my case, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to dial it down a bit, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, you know, but still, you know, it's not always, um, a go-to it's all, everybody's different. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have individualized. Yeah. And uh, also there's this big thing in family therapy about voice, like who has a voice, like reframing the acting out behavior of the child. Maybe she needs to have a voice or maybe mom or dad's depressed because they believe they don't have a voice in the family. Mm -hmm. So finding that voice is is important for their individuality too. So this is where we're going to just put a pin in it. We're not going to <laughs> go on. It's not on the on. end. This is just that I would say chapter one or, you know, uh, part one of dipping, family therapy. Dipping um, your toe in family. This therapy. is something I think we can just keep going back to revisit. And again, there's a lot of layers of Salvatore Mnuchin I want to go into. We could talk about, we can, you know, there's um, some great videos that I want to look at with you and, and dissect. And, and again, like, I mean, the researcher in me, you know, I want to know more about them. Now that I started to you know look into them recently, and we can we can continue on uh, from there. But from last week, we were talking about if you tuned in last week, we were talking about stoicism, and Z is for Zeno, <laughs> and, um, and that and stoicism is another one that we are going to revisit. But just I didn't have a game at the end or or anything or any lists, and I have a list here. I found five famous people today that are very open. Because again, you can just act stoic. You can do things that a stoic would do. But there are five individuals that have said, point blank, I believe in stoicism, almost like it's a cult or a religion, you know what I mean? And yeah. and along those lines, I mean, it's not, they're not like, it's they're not modern, like a, it's modern not, day stoic. Yeah. It's not the new Scientology, right. although that would be better, a better idea maybe if, if that was a thing as opposed to Scientology. But, um, so here are the five I have, see if any of them surprise you there. There's one that I was surprised with. Okay. okay so there, there's the tease. There's one of the five that I was surprised with. One 
I don't even know who he is, but you listeners might know who he is. All right, so the first one's this guy named Tom Brady. I've heard of him, and it doesn't surprise me that he is a stoic. He's uh, AKA the goat. Yeah, and he, uh, whether he is friends with Bill Belichick this month or not, I don't know their relationship, but Bill Belichick, I, I, he is a stoic but he probably hasn't made it public because he's so stoic. He doesn't yeah. talk to anybody. No. That's a stoic. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, like, same like there are stoics out there and the most famous or popular or successful stoics are the ones that don't want the limelight and are successful and happy in their life. And that's the best stoic you could possibly be, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have any hassle with people. People yeah. don't bother you. You can have some social isolation and agoraphobia. Yeah. Be a stoic maybe. The okay. Other, okay, here's the person I've never heard of before. Uh-huh. Tim Ferriss, and I believe I'm pronouncing that right, F-E-R-R-I-S-S. He is an entrepreneur. He's a podcaster. Again, there are a lot of these guys that, you know, I like to think that, you know, if um, people like, uh, oh God, um, J.P. Morgan or Rockefeller were alive today, they'd have a podcast, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they, they'd sure. have a, yeah, they'd have a brand, they'd have a show. And uh, because like this guy apparently is very rich, very successful. Yeah. He's come out of the stoic closet and let everybody know he's stoic and proud. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So <laughs> then, so then uh, we have Ryan Holiday, who I've mentioned before. He's got stoicism is his it's how he makes a living. I mean, he writes books. He he does these great videos. Again, I subscribe. Uh, he has, oops, where's my, okay. So um, uh, he's, he's a big name in stoicism. N- yeah. He's a big name. He's a big promoter. That's what I'm looking um, for. Promoter in stoicism. And I, I like his videos. If you ever want to see some good, quick, like, you know, like oh, getting up in the morning and want to listen to something positive and, um, you know, or insightful. And I'm like, okay. And I mean, sometimes, yes, I listen to CBT talk therapy, but you know, I don't want to be too self-absorbed. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to somebody else. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I put on a little Ryan holiday and, uh, you know, he, he's a little preachy, but you know, that's what it's supposed to be for, you know? And again, you don't have to eat everything on the buffet, whatever he's, he goes into, you can take a little bit of this or a little bit of that, leave that alone and so on. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is a man by the name of Robert Green, who I'm a fan of, uh, 48 Laws of Power. He has also um, written other books of uh, The Artist Seduction. Uh, he's a really good writer. And again, 48 Laws of Power is like the, the present day art of war or Prince, Machiavelli Prince. And uh, he, he uses a lot of historic references. Uh, I would recommend, uh, if you want a good read, For Eight Laws of Power. Um, I'm sure you've maybe heard of it through different, maybe somebody mentioned it to you before. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. And the great thing about it is, you know, any chapter that's interests you, you can just go to it. It's like 10 pages. And he has a lot of historical examples throughout history. And I, I even use that sometimes in my AP class. I'll make a copy and we're going to talk. This is a great example of Napoleon and this is the rule of power, number 13, whatever it is. And we go into that. So now here's the fifth person who is a stoic, Anna Kendrick. Really? Yeah. I, mm. I'm i like, it doesn't shock me, but it's kind of like, you know. If you, a female in there. Yeah. Well, and also like you know, you take a look at the five, you know, she's an actress. So she's like totally different than the other five. Okay. Yeah. Tom Brady is an athlete. So he's not, but the other two are, or again, I would say Tim Ferriss might've written something. I'm sure like I'm rich. This is how I got rich. I don't know what his book would be called, but, and then, then you got Anna Kendrick, you know I mean? Like when she's pretty soon, she's going to start writing books and doing podcasts and I haven't seen her in anything lately. Well, she doesn't, she's she's a stoic now. She doesn't do that. (laughs) You know, she doesn't need to do that. Oh, I, I love those movies that she was in where she's saying yeah so those are the five stoics i have um okay. next last but not least uh-huh. since the theme is family right 
I was going to go into songs with the term family in this in the lyrics <laughs> or in the really? in the orientation and okay this is a guessing game for well not really a guessing game i just wanted to go not just i just wanted to mention two and one that you know, i one that i came up with but one that you already came up with yeah we are family okay and that's and that's a good one that's slime family give me a hint mine yeah okay I'm mine like, is it's by a group but the group i feel are just all four of them have big egos because they didn't come up with a name for the band not the Jackson Five. No, it's not the. Ja- Although that, that's <laughs> that is, I'll I mean, be no, I'll be there is a good family song by the Jackson Five. Oh, that you. So you're saying songs <clears throat> that have the word family in it. Have the word family in it, or or again, the, the whole theme is you know f- a family base, or or it could and it could be an individual father and son by Cat Stevens, Cats in the Cradle. But um, this one okay is different, a different relationship. Well, father, same, wait, father and son? No, no, no. It's not about father and son. It's about parent and um, offspring. And I have to use that word offspring because if I use the other word that's in the title of the song. Children is in the title. Children's in the title. Yes. Look at you. You're doing well. Uh, You're doing well. (laughs) I'm doing well. All right. Give me more hints in that. It's not enough for me. Okay. So it's about the four people that sang the song. There were four. We are the world. No, 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 no. (laughs) Okay. So let me give you, let me give you a big, here's a big hint. All right. Or I can just look at your screen. Uh, You can just do that. (laughs) The four gentlemen, if they were the, okay, so, the, you know, there, there's this group called the Beatles, and they call themselves the Beatles. They didn't call themselves John, George, Paul, and Ringo. That's what these guys call themselves. Or actually, I should say, the version of the, the Beatles version of this group would be called Lennon, McCartney, Harrison, Starr, which is very, I think, you know, egocentric and, and just, um, you know, they want to make sure they're known. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Oh. I never could understand. That's a long... That they have to do that. They couldn't come up with a little name for their little gathering, their little group. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Like a law firm. Yes, <laughs> it's, yes, it's exactly like a law firm. Like, like, just call you, come up with a group. And then, of course, when Young left, oh. it's like, okay, now we're just Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Like, what's this, wait, what's the children? Oh, yeah, this, <laughs> this, teach your children well. What? Teach your children well. Yeah. Oh, it's right. a good little tune. Mm. You know. All right. I, I like I like those little soft seventies rock songs. You I know. know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm aware. Mm-hmm. You do too. Not everyone like I. Not like me though. Well, when our you, song games, some of these songs are like I don't know, man. They're, and then, but then when I play it, you're like, oh yeah, that song. Yeah, we did really cool song games. The best song game we ever had was we had to go back and forth. And well, first, first you want me to get since Valentine's Day is coming up, I can talk about, or maybe I'll wait and save it for the Valentine's Day special. It's a good homework assignment for couples. It's very um, well. I guess it could be gifts slash acts of service, words of affirmation. But I thought it was very heartfelt. Right when we met. Right. So what we did was, I'll, I'll just tell you because you know you guys, you guys deserve it. You guys listen to us, and um, well, plus this is before Valentine's. It's fair, yeah. So yeah, actually, that's good. So we came up with a game. We go through the alphabet, and so we all we. So I had to come up with a song that uh, began with A. No, well, we yes, okay, we did two games. Go ahead. Without okay, so okay. Um, and I had you to think, started with A, yeah. But we did year that. We oh, first we I did the year. Born. Yes, so we started off. We did the year you were born, the year I was born. Right. Songs from that year up until. And we kept day. going. So, like, we started with 1970. Right. And then I came up with a song. You came up with a song. Then we did 71. Wait, wait. And it had to remind 
us of each other or or or, or, or something yeah something fun that puts puts us in the it wasn't just a dumb song it was a meaningful song. a meaningful song that reminded then, us of us correct or something from our family or childhood and right. we explained to the other person so it was a little bit like a love map assignment yeah in Gottman therapy learning about each other's world so you learn things about me I learned things about you yeah and it was very cool to see that and it was text we sent we sent the song too mm-hmm. right yeah yeah it wasn't just the title. Itself. And it was a nice little pick-me-up during the day, too. It was very nice. And we did that for um, like a month because it was almost a month. I think it was, yeah, it was longer than that. But yeah, I mean, was, you go through, I mean, well, 1970 actually, to, you know, was well, it, it was 2021, 20? It was at least 40 or 50 days. Yeah. Yeah. It so was, that it was, was cool. It was the gift that just keeps. And then know. we did a, then we started with A. It's like the Jelly of the Month Club. Yeah. Then we did A. <laughs> And then B, oh, we have to come up with another game. See. Yeah. But, and then um, what's the other game that you were thinking of that we did? That is the game I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Of. The the year. You were thinking of the alphabet. I was thinking of the alphabet, but I don't know if we did. We did the alphabet. Oh, we did the alphabet too. We did. We, yeah. That was after because I really wanted a new we, game. We, I want a new game. I want a new game. I had, kind of like when we watch a show and then we have like sadness at the show. Yeah, everybody's over. like that. You I know? had sadness. I'll see you on Facebook. I need a new show to watch. Yeah. And then people will like. And then there Have was you watched this? Saw it, you know. Yeah. And I always thought we talk about that all the time. What's good to watch? Because there's always rotating things. Netflix does a good job of advertising. Hulu, not as much. But there's hidden shows. When something's over, you get a little depressed about it. Then we did the game with animals. Animals. That was, was your favorite one, though. I still have the playlist. Right. So we get to get, you tell, you tell right, the we people. We were going to Gettysburg, and it was a couple-hour drive. <laughs> and we try to entertain ourselves with games while we're driving. So we came up with a song game with animals. Now the animal had to be mentioned in the game or I mean, in the song, in the song doesn't have to be in the title. Doesn't have to be in the title. could be in the lyrics. And we got to, and I have the playlist to prove it a hundred, at least a hundred that I could recall. I have them still. So it's a a fun game. Mm -hmm. I think we, there was, um, again, we had some songs where we're like, um, you know, okay. Dinosaur judges. Okay. Well, loud dinosaur. A lot of roosters and horses and chickens. A lot of the, when you think about it, dogs. Now that now that would be now when we have way more than enough time on our hands, which is never. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be if I ever get a student teacher, I'm going to make him or her go. Okay, this is your job. You're going to take a look at their song list, and I want you to itemize each animal and how many animals. What, what uh, animal wins? Oh my god! Yeah. Why am I doing this? Because I said so. I think from my recollection, we had a lot of birds. Birds were popular, more popular than like we did the donkey. Remember the donkey song, the, that old Italian song? Yeah, but that's, Dominic all, that, the donkey. that's the only song with a donkey in it. There was horses. We, we said that's in the same genre, right? Yeah, horses, cats, donkeys, ponies. Cats in the cradle. We had cat in the cradle. Rooster was a couple. Yeah, I think I want to say birds won. Dog, all, I think do- count, dog was well represented. Do, do we count wind beneath my wings? Or no? No, because it's a, <laughs> it's a part of an animal. That could be a different. That's weird, but that could be a different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah. you know, yeah. is there a song about a, a trunk and an elephant? I don't think so. You know, mm-hmm. like, it, it's going to be a short game. Yeah, we we uh, had a really good time. It was fun. All right. So that's our show. That's our show. Therapy. We added in a little stoic facts, uh, five stoics, if you want to check them out. And, if, and we, um, we have some games for you, some homework assignments for you to. We can have some homework assignments if you want to. Play games with your friends or with your significant other, then feel free to do that. Hopefully that can help spark your your fun and playfulness, which is always important to do. We definitely do that often. Got to keep it fresh. Keep it fresh, yeah. We got to make our karaoke song list. Oh, yeah. For the party. Yeah. Yep. 
That's going to yep, be fun. Yep. Yeah. Dr. Rafa likes to have fun and have parties. Yes, she does. I do. Yep. For better, for worse. Mm-hmm. For better, for worse. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting better at it. Not stressing. As no, much no, no, no. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, no, mm-hmm. exactly. It's like, you know, no, I don't have enough to do. I want to plan a party. With all the activities I do and working and all of I could, I could, I'm, I'm a uh, mother. Uh, I'm going to run a business. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to, you know, like, it's just like, gosh. <laughs> I'm going to work out six days a week. Yeah, oh, that's another activities. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just do one thing. Like, my trainer's like, you work out, you're working out really hard. I'm like, am I? I'm just interested in a lot of stuff, you know, but that's just what adds. <laughs> well, again, when you tell me things like this is sore, okay. not do this exercise. And I say, <laughs> yes. And then you're like. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, but with lighter weights. Okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna still do it though, but I'm, just with lighter weights. That that's, well, that's a compromise. Like, I'm like, I fine, can't go big. I can't just have one office. I got to have three. I can't just learn one certification. I, I need to have five. You know, like mm-hmm. I like to go big. Well, in some cases, that's a good thing. I'm very ambitious and devoted to things. I want to get you know get good at things. It's my own perfectionism that comes with it right i i i I, that's you know that is uh who you are go to florida once we have to go like six times (laughs) we can't just watch horse races on tv right yeah you want to go to uh kentucky derby yeah yeah exactly all right so as always thanks for listening to our show catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com email us if you have any questions at info at innerbalancepsychology.com and remember to stop it and give yourself a chance